welcome back to Guest Friday and Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. Uh, as always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can follow uh, the social pages on Twitter and on Facebook for the latest updates. Uh, this week, we're joined by uh, Dave Gosher, who uh, does play-by-play for the Vegas Golden Knights on television. He uh, previously worked for uh, the Bruins doing play-by-play on the radio for many years. Uh, Dave, it's great to have you. Hey, great to be with you, Garrett. Great to hear your voice. We connected uh, all those years ago at the Sportscasters Camp in Boston, so uh, yeah. it's great to be with you again. Yeah, it is great. Um, so, uh, Dave, you've been all over the place doing plenty of uh, hockey broadcasting, so uh, I'm curious about um, if you could just describe for us kind of your journey with hockey broadcasting, you know, where you started and where, where you are now. Yeah, it's a, a long journey, I guess, Garrett. Um, you know, I went to Boston University, which has had and still has a very good communications program. And I started there in the early 90s, my last couple of years of school broadcasting on the student radio station there, WTBU. And I did hockey, baseball, and football. But hockey was always my favorite sport, having grown up in, in Rhode Island and playing it, um, you know, through, through high school. Um, so I got out of college, and you're too young to remember the days of cassette tapes, I think, but there used to be such a thing. And um, I made a cassette resume tape and sent it to a few teams, and I got hired by a team in Wheeling, West Virginia, which I had never heard of in my life, but um, it's about an hour southwest of Pittsburgh. And I was off at, I was 23 or 24 years old to Wheeling, West Virginia. So I was there for two years doing the, they were the Wheeling Thunderbirds at the time. They have since changed to the Wheeling Nailers of the East Coast Hockey League. Then did the Providence Bruins for five years, the AHL affiliate for the, for the Boston Bruins. And that was a lot of fun because I grew up in Pawtucket, just north of Providence, and they were kind of my, my hometown team. Uh, the team won the Calder Cup there my fourth year, which would have been 1999. And then in 2000, um, the Bruins radio job opened up mm-hmm. and I threw my hat in the ring. At that time, it was WBZ radio before the sports hub had even came into existence. Right. And was fortunate enough to get that and did that for 17 years. And uh, obviously, the you know, there were a lot of highs. I mean, the team winning the Stanley Cup in 2011 would be at the top of the list. Um, you know, they, they had a, they were kind of a mixed bag, I think, as a team, my first several years, six or seven years, there was years they were good. There was years they were not close to being a contender to winning the Stanley Cup, but they were able to build it under Claude Julian's tenure, that, that 10 year period where they were a legitimate contender every year. Um, but I had had a thought for a while about, you know, you have this little thought sometimes in the back of your head of what's next. I had done 24 years of radio between the minor leagues and the NHL. And you could call it 26 years if you wanted to throw in the two years of BU. Mm -hmm. And I thought television was something uh, I might want to, might want to give a shot at. And I had done a package of college games for NBCSN around the Northeast. And once I did my first college game, uh, I realized that was what I wanted to, to do next. But the problem was Garrett, nobody else was thinking that. And uh, it wasn't like they were kicking the doors down to try to offer me a TV job. But fortunate enough, the Vegas Golden Knights came into being. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of people had interest in it. And fortunately, I was able to, to jump on board. And it's been, uh, it's been life-changing in every way. Uh, we love living out west. I love doing the television. 
um, and uh, we wouldn't uh, wouldn't change the thing. Was it uh, challenging at all making the switch from uh, radio to TV? And you know what was kind of the like most difficult part of that? Yeah, it wasn't too too bad, Garrett. I I think that um, you know you have a producer talking in your ear. Although we have a great producer out here, Tavis Strand, uh, who does our games in Vegas. Um, I think it was adjusting to maybe hearing somebody you're in your, you hear him, but you don't hear him. If you know what I mean, he's there, but he's very subtle. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, bombard you with different things. Um, but it was, it's a very produced medium. You know, when somebody described radio to me, it's a very small band, right? It's you and your partner and your producer. That's basically it. That's all you have in the booth. Mm-hmm. You'll have somebody back at, at the station, um, you know, a host or, or somebody, you know, making sure all the commercials fire on time. Um, Television is a whole different deal with producers, directors, statisticians, graphics people, replay people, mm-hmm. stage managers, um, the, the part of being on camera. Um, so I think probably the it was a little bit of all that. Um, but I will say, and maybe I was just fortunate because we have such a great crew out here and I do the games with Shane Knighty. Uh, former Bruin member of their cup team in 2011. Mm-hmm. And we had instant chemistry together on and off television, which was fantastic. And um, so it wasn't, I think for all those reasons, it probably wasn't that big of an adjustment for me. I think I probably look back on it now and realize I didn't, there was a lot I probably didn't know when I first started doing the games in the fall of 2017 on television. But I don't know, maybe I, faked it well enough. Um, so now I think I've, I, I learn more each year, which is, you know, which is what I wanted. I felt I had, I had done a lot of radio for a long time and wanted to, um, wanted to have a bigger band, you know, mm-hmm. and, and fortunately we've got a, we've got a, a heck of a band out here. So, you know, you've had experience doing hockey on radio now on TV, um, hockey compared to other sports, what, what makes it, more unique to, to broadcast than maybe other sports? Well, I always say, Garrett, the speed of it, right? It's, um, it, it's the only sport where you're changing players on the fly, you know, and every other sport, the play stops. You know, in basketball, guys aren't just running in off the bench, you know, in the middle of the play. There's a timeout. Um, football, I guess they do the hurry up, the no huddle offense, but they do have to mark the ball and snap the ball. So I think, you know, hockey to me uh, is the most challenging because because of the pace it's played and it's faster now than it's ever been and the changing on the fly. So if you don't know both teams like the back of your hand, you really have no shot. Um, I will say that it's not as difficult as it may seem or sound because you know your team. You know, I did the Bruins for 17 years. I've done the Golden Knights for the last five. If I don't know my team, quote unquote, then that's a whole different problem. Mm-hmm. So I spend most of my time preparing for the other team. And it's a bit more of a challenge if you only see a team twice a year. You know, if you only see the Columbus Blue Jackets twice a year or the Carolina Hurricanes twice a year. Um, it's a little bit easier if you're playing teams within your division or teams out west. You might see a bit more, obviously. So. That to me is the biggest thing is, is the speed of the game. Therefore your preparation has to be right on point because the last thing you want is 
the puck, you know, it's, it's three quick passes made and a shot from the point and it gets tipped in and you're trying to figure out who was the first guy that had the puck and the puck's in the net and the crowd's going crazy. And, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, you can make yourself sound pretty dumb and I don't need any help doing that. So, uh, so yeah, that would be the biggest thing I, I think. And, um, I also, th- I think as well, though, Garrett, it's a matter of doing it, you know, and I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I mean, this will be, I think I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, this will be 30 years coming up professionally doing it. So I think you have your own methods of the madness. Everyone prepares differently. Everyone has different charts they do. It doesn't really matter. It's whatever works for you that, you know, by the time the puck drops at seven o'clock, we'll say on a, on a Saturday night that uh, you're ready for both teams. So um, making a switch from, uh, broadcasting for the Bruins, an original six franchise to um, an expansion franchise, you know, a team that has, you know, no, no history to go back on. Was that, was that, um, you know, intimidating at all to make the switch from an original six to an expansion team? No, I'd be honest with you. I think it was something that I, I, uh, there was one of the, one of the things that drew me to the job was it was new. It was fresh. It was different you were in on the ground floor. No, I, I enjoyed my old job very much. And I, I am a huge history buff and I love the history of the Bruins. And, um, you know, one of the great honors of being around there for a good many years was to be able to, you know, to, to meet these, these guys that I, you know, to meet Bobby Orr and to travel for many years with, with Johnny Busick, uh, you know, player, uh, players and people that if you told the, seven-year-old me in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, you'd, you'd, you'd get a chance to meet and spend quality time with these people. I'd tell you, go get your head checked out, <laughs> you know? So, but, you know, so I have the ultimate respect for, you know, the Bruins and, and, and their history. Um, but there was also the intriguing thing about this was you were getting in on the ground floor. You weren't following anybody else. You, you and me and Shane, were the first two guys on TV. They'd never had a major league team out here before. Mm. So it was the uniqueness of that, of Vegas, um, that really kind of drew me to it, that you could be here from day one. And it's been, uh, it's been an, an amazing ride um, to be a part of it. And then, you know, however much longer I do it, someone else will come in and do it and probably do it a lot better. But at least Shane and I were able to kind of get in on the ground floor and and so far we've had a blast with it um throughout the years that you've called the the golden knights games what are what are some favorite games that have stood out well that's a good question garrett um you know especially in year one boy they had some uh they really had some games that you know the energy in that building is through the roof all the time but they had a they had a stretch right before christmas that first year where they you know, they were an expansion team. They get off to a great start. You were wondering, could they keep it up? And right before Christmas, Washington and Pittsburgh and Tampa all came into Vegas. And the Golden Knights beat all three of them. And they beat Tampa with two and a half seconds left. Shea Theodore scored a power play goal. And the place just, it felt like the roof was going to come off of, uh, of the T-Mobile Arena. So I think that would be up there. Um, William Carlson scored a goal between his own legs, which has become more and more vogue now over the years, but five years ago, it was still pretty new, Mm. but he scored shorthanded on a breakaway to help the Golden Knights clinch the division against San Jose the first year. So I think that would be up there. Uh, they, they won a game in double overtime in the playoffs. Eric Hollis scored to beat the Kings in the first round. 
that year. So I think those are some that would, would stand out. Um, I wasn't doing the game. It was a national game, but the home opener here in Vegas, the first ever home game was only uh, nine days after those uh, horrific shootings at Mandalay Bay. Uh, that was the emotion of the building was just incredible that night. So yeah, there's a lot of them um, that that would come to mind, and and you know, fortunate enough, and I think probably the other one that would jump out to me was the the only game seven they've had at home. They beat uh, Minnesota, Matias Yanmark at a hat trick, and they they won uh, game seven to advance to the second round uh, back in 2021. So fortunate enough to have uh, fortunate enough that they've been good and been a a contender. Last year was a bit of a I struggle with a myriad of injuries, but the fact they've come in the league and been good right away mm-hmm. is not normal. Yeah. Um, so that, if you do what I do, um, that makes it much more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, throughout throughout your years of uh, broadcasting in the NHL, are there any players that you really enjoyed interacting with? Well, I mean, I think going back to my time in Boston, I always loved you know, uh, a few minutes with Patrice Bergeron, you know, he's just, he's, uh, epitomizes class. And I, he's always been one of my favorites, Garrett, cause I, you know, I've known him since he came into the league as an 18 year old back in 2003, which means we're all getting older, some more than others. Um, so I always have enjoyed Patrice, you know, Brad Marchand always, I always got a kick out of Brad. He always had something to say, but you know, usually it was, you know, I think we had we got we had different conversations that he would have with opponents on the ice, but I always get a kick out of his wit. He was always really quick. Um, you know, and I think out here, you know, Mark Stone is somebody that um, I always compare him, Garrett, to, and it's got it's my Boston ties again. But he, to me, he's kind of he's like Larry Bird. You know, Larry Bird. Everyone said he couldn't jump. He wasn't fast. But he, you look down to the end of the night, and then he had a triple double. Mm-hmm. Mark Stone, and albeit last year was tough because he had a, uh, was coming off back surgery, actually coming into this season. But you know, if you look at his game, and you say, "Well, he can't really. He's not a great skater. Doesn't have the hardest shot. Uh, he's an okay passer." But like Larry Bird, it was his brain. It was his brain that that was set him apart from a lot of the the rest of the league. So mm-hmm. I always enjoy kind of picking that brain a little bit. Um, I will tell you it's the COVID world over the last couple of years, it's been much different of course. because it's all been on Zooms. We have not been physically in the locker room in over two years. Hopefully that'll change this year because that's where you, know, you can get a guy off to the side, even if it's for 30 seconds or a minute. Um, and maybe you get a little bit of a nugget that's worth, you know, using in the broadcast that night. But um, so those are some of the guys that that come to mind that uh, you know you, you kind of look forward to, to chatting with. Gotcha. Um, so you've mentioned your partner Shane Knighty a couple of times, obviously former Bruins player. What is it like to work with someone who's a former player as a broadcast partner? Well, it's been I, I'll tell you it's been great with um, with Shane here over the last five years, and I I did the games in Boston with Bob Beers for. The entire time I was there, Bob was there for a couple of years before me. I think it has to be based, Garrett, if it's going to work on mutual respect. You know, look, you get to the booth via two different roads, right? Players get it, get there through their playing experience. 
And guys like me get there through putting their time in, in the booth, in Wheeling and in Providence or wherever your, those steps are along the way. So to me, that mutual respect has to be there. And if it's not, it makes it much more challenging, you know, but with, um, you know, as I say, with Shane out here the last five years, uh, you know, we've, we're together all the time. You know, we, I, I tell people the reason I think it works when we're on TV is because of all the time that we're hanging around when we're not on TV. You know, we trust each other. We respect each other. I can go anywhere with him in a broadcast. I might sing, you know, like I try to annoy him with my random singing. Sometimes it's a long season. You got to make it fun. Um, but I never have to worry about it. And, you know, he puts the time in, um, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing for at times for former players is they played the game at a high level, but broadcasting it at a, at a high level, that's a different deal. That's a whole different assignment. Um, sometimes great players can come off the ice and become terrific analysts. Sometimes players have more of a journeyman career and they make some of the best analysts in the game. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but I, I think that, you know, the trust factor and the mutual respect factor at the, at the top of the list. And, uh, you know, as I say, I was, uh, I thought Bob did a terrific job on radio, um, for, for the years I was there. And, uh, you know, I think Shane is, is excellent on TV. Um, it's not an easy job. You have to be quick. You know, it's, we talked before about the speed of the game. You know, it's got to be concise. The last thing anybody wants is me or my partner making a point about something and the puck ends up in the back of the net. Um, so whatever your thoughts are, they usually have to be pretty clear and, and concise to get them in there. Um, so you've had plenty of uh, different career stops. Uh, which, which career stop do you think helped you the most as, as a broadcaster? Oh, that's a good one too, Garrett. I mean, I guess if I thought about it, you know, the team in Wheeling gave me a chance, right? They, you know, they took some 24 year old kid who had done some college games at BU and gave me an opportunity. And so I guess I would have to say that because if I didn't get that first break or that first foot in the door, who knows? You know, I could have been doing something totally different. What that would be, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not qualified to do much else. Mm -hmm. You can make a case I'm not qualified to do this, and I would listen to it. But, um, you know, the people there were, were great to me. Um, Larry Kish was the general manager. Marty Nash was the assistant general manager, who sadly we lost a, a little while ago. Um, Mark Landini turned into became one of my, my best friends in life. I met working down there. So I think that's uh, Denise Evick was, I can tell you, Denise Evick was our office manager. Like we were kind of one big family down there. So um, I kind of think that first crack where the door opens for you, and then it's up to you. You either take advantage of it and try to continue to climb the ladder and you need some good fortune along the way mm -hmm. or you don't. So I think the fact that, I graduated BU in May, and I think by August of that summer, I was moving to Wheeling, a place I'd never heard of. If you asked me to point it out on a map, 
I probably wouldn't have been able to find it, but uh, I picked up everything, which wasn't much and moved to wheeling. And that's, I mean, it's hard to believe the, the years are flying by Garrett. It's hard to believe that's 30 years ago coming up, but, um, but that's, that's what the map tells me anyways. So we, you mentioned at the top, you know, coming to uh, sports broadcasting camp in Boston for a couple of years, that's how we met. So uh, I'm curious, the couple of years that you came to camp, what, what was your favorite part of doing that? Well, I'll give you the, the, the quick, well, maybe the, the short version of a long story, Garrett. I, I, uh, Steve and Jeremy, who run the camp in Boston, well, they run it all over the country, but they had asked me to come and be a guest speaker there, and which I, I gladly did. They, they asked me, among others. And then I think I did that for a year or two, and then they asked me, what would you think about being here for the whole week and running the play-by-play part of the camp? And I said, sure. You know, because I think that I do think it's important to give back and, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. Is someone else, you know, the, the, the business is going to need good, young, hungry people. So I probably worked that camp for over a decade. And I just think what I loved about it and yourself being one of them is you, you got to see some familiar faces year after year after year. And you got to know. You know, you're not a kid anymore, but you were a kid when I met you. You got to know these kids, you know, and um, and see them grow and develop, um, you know, and, and it was a I was when I was in college, I went to a camp called the Sportscaster Cancer of America, which was based in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And this would have been in the early 90s. And it was it was run by a fellow named Roy Engelbrecht and also Bob Miller, who was a Hall of Fame voice of the L.A. Kings. And I came out to that when I was 20, 21 years old, 22 and week long, but it was different than the camp that we were part of in Boston. This was Al Michaels came and talked about doing play-by-play football and Chick Hearn gave the talk on basketball and Bob Miller did the hockey talk and Bob Costas talked about doing play-by-play baseball. And it was president Reagan came and spoke at the commencement had a little commencement at the end of the week and you would go to an angels game and do it on cassette tape and have professionals critique you and do football and baseball off the big screen uh, fo- football and basketball off the big screen and have people critique you so i got a lot out of that mm-hmm. the camp in boston was a little bit different by nature in that as you remember we kind of broke it up by age groups and everyone was in an auditorium and you it's probably all changed now with iPhones, but we used to have these mini disc, mini tape player recorders. Oh yeah. And you'd have all you guys in there just yelling at the top of your lungs doing the final two minutes of the Super Bowl. So it was hard to kind of, to pick out and say, okay, Garrett, try to make sure you work on A, B and C because it was just a wall of noise in that auditorium. But it wasn't about really, it wasn't about that. It was about the experience and the camaraderie and these kids, I think it ran from 12 to 18, I think, mm-hmm. or 10, whatever it was, um, getting them exposure to the, what the business is kind of, kind of looks like mm-hmm. at an early age. I, there, was, there weren't camps like that for kids that young when I was that age. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot out of it. Uh, I do miss it. It makes it, now that I live out west, it's obviously much more challenging. Um, I was back east in July, and, but it just it wasn't. It wasn't going to work without with things I had going on in, in Rhode Island at the time. But anyway, uh, long way of saying 
I felt and still feel like it's people were very good to me when I was a young person in the business. And I've always thought, what if the people I ran into when I was young and very impressionable, what if they were jerks? Well, they weren't, you know, they were people like Ken Bell, who channel six in Providence is one of the nicest people I've ever met. Gene Levanchi at channel 25 and Sean McDonough who were just Bob Miller in LA who were so good to me. Um, and I think it's important to remember that. So whether it's working a camp or somebody asked me to give a listen to something, I'm more than happy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, what advice would you give to someone that um, is interested to get into hockey broadcasting? I would encourage him to, A, to go after it, um, B, to try and go after it as soon as possible. You know, when I was younger, there were, it was a much more limited business because, you know, the internet didn't exist. Uh, now you could have your own YouTube channel. You, we could all just start one up. You can have your own podcast as you have. You could have your own website. Um, so I think any opportunity you get to do it, high school games, college games, it doesn't matter. It could be Little League baseball games. Any chance you get to broadcast is a good chance, is a good opportunity. Um, I tell kids to, you know, record everything they do. Do not be too hard on themselves, especially early. Um, You're not really supposed to have it all figured out when you're younger. I mean, I sure did not. I have somewhere in my garage here, most of the games I did at Boston University on cassette tape. I have nothing to play them on, but I probably wouldn't want to hear them anyways because I was not, I was not very good, but it was good enough, right? It was good enough to get me my first job and, and kind of go from there. So I would say, go after it, realize it is a competitive business. It's not always a fair business, um, but that's also part of, that's also part of the game sometimes. Um, you know, I, you probably remember Garrett Don Orsillo, the longtime Red Sox announcer on Nesson. When Donnie was uh, doing the Pawtucket Red Sox, I was doing the Providence Bruins, the same time frame, 1995 to 2000. And we would get together occasionally and have a beverage. And other people, we'd see other people get jobs in Major League Baseball or the NHL. And we would think, God, like, we're not the best, we're not the worst, but we're better than that person you know what how long is this going to take and then i got hired by the by wbz i believe it was in june of 2000 he got the red sox job five or six months later so some of it is just hanging in there um it's not always about how good you are i think there's a point where it's not about talent it's about an opportunity an opportunity and the right opportunity at the right moment I was joking around with a friend of mine the other day. I said, you know, when the NHL expanded uh, to Columbus and Atlanta and Minnesota and Nashville, I sent my stuff to all those teams. I think the only team I actually got the, the perfunctory rejection letter from was the Nashville Predators. I don't think I heard back from anybody else. So as part of the business, the Bruins job came open in 2000. I did the, you know, the province Bruins for five years. I kind of had some people that, might be able to go to bat for me a little bit. That's a different deal. I wasn't just some random guy 
sending a CD back then to the Minnesota Wild. So um, stay with it. It beats the heck out of a real job. Um, I've been trying to avoid that for a long, long time. And so far, I'm pretty successfully avoiding it. Um, so I'd, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you uh, how you felt about the Golden Knights this season. Um, you know, obviously we're maybe about a month and a half from the start of the year, but uh, just tell me what you're thinking about the team this year. Obviously went through a pretty major coaching change that we around here know a lot about, but uh, just uh, give me some thoughts about the team this year. Yeah. Some question marks, I think Garrett, to be fair. I mean, I, I, I think one of the question marks is not, the head coach. I think Bruce Cassidy is a good coach. Um, you know, it's uh, talking about what's fair and unfair in the world of hockey. I mean, I think Bruce last year had 52 wins, which was the most in his career and he got fired. Hmm. Um, Pete DeBoer took the golden Knights to the final four twice, and they would have gone to the playoffs this year where they not uh, be set with ridiculous injuries and he got fired. So, um, you know, they're on their third coach here going into year six. Um, you know, it is a demanding fan base. Uh, Bill Foley, who's uh, the owner of the team here, is a guy that um, is a big winner in most things he does in life. So, and very competitive. So I think that, you know, that's probably the, you know, they've, they've gone through some coaches. Um, there's some question marks in net, no question about it. Robin Leonard is not going to play this year. Um, they've got Logan Thompson and Lauren Brossois as their tandem. Neither one a proven number one of the NHL could be a one A and a one B as they go into the season. Maybe see if somebody takes the ball and runs with it. Um, as we sit here today, as we tape this, they just signed Phil Kessel to a one-year deal earlier today. They traded Max Pacioretty a few weeks ago to free up some cap space, but they did need to bring somebody in who has a history of scoring goals, and Kessel certainly does that going back to his days with the Bruins. So. Right. Um, can they gel as a team? Um, Jack Eichel, full season now coming up for him. First one in a few years. Mm -hmm. uh, last year led the team in goals from the time he came in to the end of the season. Can they gel as a group? Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll see. You know, we'll see. They've um, they've set the bar here really high, uh, but certainly there's some there's some things to keep an eye on as they go into this uh, this new season. Mark Stone coming off back surgery, which you, you hope that that all goes well. Um, they've had a long off season, the first long off season they've had, they haven't played a game since uh, early May. So by the time the new season comes around, it'll be five months since they would have played. So, um, but as I say, they've, they've built a history here of wanting to be a contender every year and hopefully they'll be able to get back to that. Okay. All right. Well, Dave, it was great catching up with you. Uh, Anything, anything else you want to add before, before we leave, before we take off? No, it's great to connect with you. As I said, Garrett, I'm glad you're doing this. It's uh, as I say, it's, it's a great business. It's a lot of fun. I, I always joke around. It's not the real world here. I mean, this is not fortunately. So um, I wish you all the best with this podcast and everything you're doing. I can't believe you've graduated college. That makes me feel even older, but that's okay. And uh I'm sure we'll catch up again sometime soon. All right. Great. Great, Dave. It was great talking to you. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you. Talk to you later.